Hi, hello, and welcome. This is the Zonecast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show uh, Ahmad Al Hidik. He is the co-founder and CEO of Kayan Health. Uh, hi, Ahmad. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited for our chat today. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. And I want to start by talking about your background. Can you share your professional and personal background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my story started, uh, I think, around 17 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. Um, I studied computer science and I ventured into, into the world of technology. Um, I, in my first role, I used to fly around a lot, uh, uh, being a technical consultant, uh, working on ERP implementations and other types of uh, web portals and kind of boring business process automation and stuff like that. Um, I graduated from the American University of Beirut um, and spent a lot of time in the region uh, from Sudan to South Korea, uh, working on different projects and then uh, moved to Dubai uh, in 2008. Uh, my first entrepreneurial experience was, um, uh, was in 2010, uh, working in, in, the, in the mobile app sphere, uh, developing a few products that we were selling um, to different organizations. Um, the most exciting one was working on the e-parliament uh, and e-government uh, solution for, for the government of the UAE. Uh, that was a that was an exciting, uh, full of lessons learned type of a of a startup and project. Um, towards the end, uh, we got acquired um, by an agency, so uh, that helped us scale our company and scale our product um, and offering, um, coupled with their offerings and services uh, around governmental um, digital and media services. So I did that for a couple of years um, and then then left and started my own digital marketing agency. Um, we grew over the period of five years um, from myself to a team of around 30 people across four or five countries. Um, and we were targeting uh, mainly healthcare organizations, educational institutes, retail, e-commerce, et cetera. And uh, during that experience, that's when I kind of got into health tech um, because of our work that we did with healthcare organizations, um, helping them across the board, building products, digital marketing, uh, attracting, helping them build a brand and attract patients uh, to their clinics or to the hospital. We noticed the gap in, uh, in communication. Uh, doctors and physicians were receiving text messages, emails, um, with random questions, with different inquiries and questions. And so we're like, okay, um, can, we, can we streamline this? This is happening through Gmail or through texting and sensitive images are sitting on the phone or on the laptop. Can we streamline this communication in a, in a more secure and private manner and help the clinic monetize this communication? And what we're trying to do was basically telemedicine, but we, at the time it was really early stage telemedicine, at least for the region that we didn't know much about it. So we did a lot of investigation, a lot of research um, and realized that there's, uh, there's a gap to be filled and there's a, a product to be built to help solve that problem. So um, we launched uh, uh, the region's first telemedicine platform called HeyDoc. Um, and that was my um, kind of those two adventures, the agency and HeyDoc 
uh, were, um, were what I mostly did over the you know the last five years I spent in Dubai. Um, and then after after 11 years, I felt like my time is is up and it's time for a new challenge. Um, and I wanted to always to move to North America. So I decided to make the jump and move to Toronto two years ago. Um, I exited the agency um, and with HeyDoc, with our approach, uh, we always knew that the, the, the future of healthcare wasn't just, you know, telemedicine that would solve one problem, but the real future of healthcare was to bring it all together into one platform where patients have the ability to access all these different services and technologies that they have around them to give them better insight toward the, towards their health and give them the ability um, to have a voice in their own healthcare process. Um, so we shut Haydock down and started working on Cayenne Health approximately a year, a year and a half ago. Um, and and um, where, where our goal is to uh, enable patients um, and to focus on the patients when it comes to healthcare, enabling them to triage their symptoms, access their own health data by integrating with different devices and wearables and smart, smart health devices and giving them access to their own patient records by integrating with the, their clinic's EHR um, and at the same time to help them streamline their communication with, uh, with their physician, um, not just through a 15-minute booking you know, that's what we do in the, in the real world, but looking at how can we use technology to make uh, this communication uh, smoother uh, and, and, and better. Um, so we are looking at, excuse me, at different ways of how we can enable um, that. So, so yeah, that's kind of a short summary of my adventure uh, towards, uh, towards today. Mm-hmm. So can you talk more about can Health? Like what are the um, when was it founded? Um, what are the specific pro- products and solutions that you offer? Um, how the idea came about and who's your uh, target customer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we started working on Kayan Health last January um, 2020. And the um, initially what we wanted to build was a platform um, that, that helps uh, helps healthcare organizations streamline their communication with their patients, but at the same time, remotely monitor them. And at the same time, help the patients um, have access to their own records um, and have access to their own data. So we started working on, on, uh, on Can Health um, and our initial pilot was just focused on the telemedicine because we knew that that was the, let's say the, the, the low hanging fruit. That was the, the area that most companies or most uh, clinics understood and, you know, the pandemic hit and which made the uh, made telemedicine even more um, something that everyone understood uh, as while before, during the Haydock days, we have to sell the idea of telemedicine and sell the explain how to use telemedicine to get uh, uh, healthcare remotely. Now they understood it. So it was easier to kind of, enter the market through our first product, which was the telemedicine solution. And then slowly we started to build everything around it. Um, our first pilot was focused on mental health. Um, in last summer, we signed uh, a deal with a, a VC called Black Pearl Global Investments. They're based out of North Carolina. And the idea was um, they are a physician-led VC and they work with um, across digital health uh, technologies. 
And the idea was to go and, and see how we can plug in our product with existing portfolio companies and to help solve challenges uh, within the uh, U.S. market. Um, so we, our first pilot with them was a mental health platform uh, uh, targeting entrepreneurs in the city of Charlotte, where um, uh, they would have access to th- uh, two or three uh, uh, sessions, free sessions funded by the local government. Um, we ran our pilot uh, for three months, initially targeting 50 entrepreneurs, but we started scaling that um, uh, as, as we progressed. Um, and then after that, we started looking at other applications for our product. So uh, another application that we realized um, uh, could work um, and there was a need for was in the realm of second opinion. And uh, Black Pearl th- themselves have um, started helping us and in, in connecting us with potential organizations that would be interested in, in utilizing uh, virtual second opinion. Um, and we started talking to organizations in the Caribbean um, because with the pandemic and with um, the islands uh, being in lockdown and unable to fly to, to the U.S. Uh, for certain acute or for certain cases, um, they needed another way to be able to reach uh, physicians in the U.S. for a second opinion. So we started looking into how we can connect local hospitals with um, hospitals in the U.S. Um, uh, for, uh, for the purpose of a, of a second opinion. Um, and then by the end of the year, we, um, we, ha- we went uh, uh, and had a conversation with a potential uh, acquirer, uh, Beyond Medical. And Beyond Medical um, uh, was in the space of um, developing uh, masks, face masks, and they wanted to enter the, the, the software uh, and the digital health uh, business. So we saw great synergies with their relationships with different healthcare organizations and clinics. So we initiated, uh, we signed an LOI with them in January for the purpose of, a, of an acquisition. Uh, and over three months, we realized um, that there's so much that we can do together. And the best approach for us was instead of an acquisition, but through an investment and a partnership. So we raised a, a pre-seed round from them uh, and we're now utilizing these funds to help. That, uh, those funds have helped us scale our product and, and grow it further um, and, uh, and helped us initiate conversations with other healthcare organizations, clinics, home care agencies, and looking at how our product could support them. And we've signed a couple of MOUs and, and we've got a few projects that are going to launch in the next uh, couple of weeks and next month. Uh, one was one is with a home care agency here in uh, Ontario um, who support clients with brain injuries um, and they're looking for ways where they can remotely monitor them and support them and our platform works perfectly so we're, we are integrating because we integrate integrate with different devices uh, for this specific project we've integrated with the Fitbit sense um, and the idea is the caregivers would be able to remotely monitor their clients through um, uh, their, their health and wellness and activities, sleep monitoring, tracking. Um, and uh, especially we chose the sense because they wanted uh, to utilize the devices, FDA approved ECG monitor. Um, so they'd be able to remotely monitor the patients and connect with them if there's a healthcare type of an emergency and connect them with the, with the physician on the platform. Um, so this has kind of showed us the versatility of our, of our product. So 
And now we're in talks with a lot of other healthcare organizations that are looking at utilizing the same technology to remotely monitor certain patients within the, uh, the clinic or hospital. Um, and we're looking at other uh, medical grade devices for certain specific conditions, for example, um, you know, looking at diabetes patients and we're investigating different devices, uh, different diabetes monitors that are non-invasive, Bluetooth powered, seamless in a way. Um, and we're looking for other types of devices and partnering with other companies that have these types of devices where we can, uh, um, where we can integrate with them and help support patients and help support the, the clinics to remotely monitor them. Um, and one area that we noticed um, in terms of our, um, in terms of the versatility of the product and, and, and in terms of um, uh, patients requiring this type of remote type of monitoring, we didn't look only at humans, but we also looked at animals. So we're now um, launching, we signed a, we have an agreement with a veterinary hospital and a veterinary clinic um, to provide them with our platform. So we, what we did is we launched um, a product within Cayenne Health called Cooper um, that aims to use, um, to utilize the same platform for communication and for remote monitoring through devices like smart callers and, and, and such. Um, and uh, yeah, and the third product that we also launched this week or this month uh, is called Reina Health um, that is targeted towards university students uh, helping connect them with mental health uh, professionals and therapists for the purpose of uh, um, to help them access mental health support through our through our platform through Reno, uh, which is powered by Cayenne Health. So we've got a few initiatives going on uh, and a few sub products under Cayenne Health. So it's been uh, an exciting few months for us. And uh, next month is when kind of all of this, uh, a lot of these products go to uh, launch in the market and and experimentation uh, kicks on, which is the next phase of, of any product uh, launches, is making sure the clients are getting everything that they wanted, the technology works and is adding value um, and learning from their experiences and looking at how we can make it better. Mm -hmm. um, so the uh, idea is that you have a platform through which patients can communicate with doctors remotely. And then also you're going to have some monitoring devices which the patient can use to uh, monitor their health and then that data can be shared with the physician and all of this can happen remotely. Correct. And in addition to that, we've partnered with, um, so our product has, has got um, uh, multiple uh, modules. So you've got the telemedicine for the communication. You've got the wearable integration for the remote monitoring. Um, you've got the triage. We've partnered with a company that enables, uh, uh, that has an AI-based symptom checker. So patients can triage their own symptoms. And then based on the results, they'll have a call to action to either connect with a physician uh, or call 911, or we call it uh, automatically once we detect certain symptoms, or just give them certain tips and advice um, if it's not serious or if they don't need to speak to someone. Um, and the third uh, or the fourth area is creating a, a holistic patient profile. Our end goal is to integrate with the clinic's uh, electronic health records so that the patient has access to their own records. And what this means is when I have a patient profile that's integrated with the clinic's EHR, that means I have access to my own records. But at the same time, my wearables is feeding that uh, profile with live vital data. Um, and the physician would then have access to both your 
records that they've got at hand and to live data that are coming from these different devices, giving them better insight towards the patient's health. Mm. So this kind of like uh, integration with uh, record systems, I'm guessing that can be very uh, challenging and uh, quite quite a task and and especially with uh, concerns about privacy. Correct. So the integration is is the biggest challenge, um, but it, it is the problem that needs to be solved. Um, and it is the problem that most clinics and healthcare organizations struggle with because if you are just treating someone physically, then you have access to everything. But with healthcare moving, being disrupted and becoming more of a digital uh, uh, or with us and others building this digital uh, platform where you can enable physicians to support patients remotely and give them insights and give them access to certain data that they couldn't use before, such as your smartwatch, data coming from your smartwatch. Even if it's not medical grade, it still gives them some insight towards your wellness and general health. Um, even if they may not take a, an immediate decision based on the data they, that they see, but it can help them help give them inf- insight and influence uh, um, their their whole process. Um, but giving the patient, our goal is to enhance the patient experience. So what we're building is a patient-centered platform and not a physician-centered platform. That's why for us, it's really key that we provide the patient access to their own data and to their own records. Um, and with the way we're doing it is, one system at a time, one clinic at a time. So we start with a clinic, we integrate with their system. And then once that integration is done, now we have access to thousands of clinics that are using the same system. And that opens the door um, to go to them and say, hey, you know, this is our product. We've done it already. And it's really easy to set up and, and to get you going. And then we move on to the next system. We go get a clinic and then we expand uh, again. So that is our, our strategy when it comes to integration. As for the devices, most of the devices have open API. So the integration really is not very difficult um, to bring in your Fitbit data, Apple Watch data, Garmin data, Wear OS, Google Fit data, all that stuff is, is not very difficult to bring it in. But in terms of security and privacy, we don't store any of this data. It's all streamed uh, into the app, but nothing is stored. Um, if um, we're, uh, when we're looking at storage, um, it's going to be all within the, the EHR setting. So we bring that data, it just passes through us. And if we're going to store it in, in the EHR, and if that's what the hospital needs, then it'll be done within the EHR setting, which is already a private and secure uh, engine. And as for us, we're HIPAA compliant, be HIPAA compliant, uh, and, we're lo- and, and, and everything on a privacy and uh, security standpoint, we've taken all the needed considerations and we've implemented all the needed uh, uh, utilities to ensure um, uh, privacy and security is um, is implemented properly. And it's been our goal from day one that uh, security and privacy is, is number one uh, to anything uh, that we do. And it's the driver of how we get things done. If something cannot be done in a private and secure manner, um, then we don't do it. If there's a little bit of a risk, then we don't do it. Um, and every conversation with a clinic and every implementation with a clinic is taken into take, we take into consideration what their own setup is and we work with their IT and security teams so that everything's done properly. Mm-hmm. So, so your main customer is the patient, right? Uh, is that the stakeholder you mainly focus on and sell to, or is it like the physician and the patient both? 
Um, our our customer is the clinic and the physician, but our but our user is the patient. So we design and we build based on the patient. Uh, of course, with the with the physician in mind, like we're not going to build a system that is easy to use and seamless for the patient, but extremely difficult for the physician. So they're both our customers, and we design based on both their um, their uh, workflows. But our main uh, user that we we kind of design everything on is based on the patient. And because our goal is to create a patient experience that's seamless for them and for this to add, help add value to them and help add value to their daily lives. If I'm feeling unwell or if I have any doubt, I go into this to Cayenne Health and basically they will have access to Cayenne Health because their clinic is uh, a client of Cayenne Health. If the clinic does not have uh, Cayenne Health, the patient cannot use our platform. So in the end, the clinic is our is our client, but the our, the user that we design for is the patient. But we also design it for the clinic because the last thing a doctor wants to do is to have multiple windows when they're sat on their desk um, to try to access data. So we're also designing an experience for them to make sure it's a seamless and and simple uh, where they would be able to access everything all in one place, um, and they have access to the records, they have access to their data. And they have access to, to the triage sessions, et cetera, seamlessly within with the e, with their EHR. Um, so can you talk about your pricing strategy? How do you price your um, solution? Um, so in the healthcare space uh, or, uh, or with clinics and hospitals, for the full uh, Cayenne Health suite of products, uh, prices start at $3,000 per month and, and go upwards, plus any integration and setup fees. So if they, um, uh, if, for example, we need to integrate with their EHR, with their scheduling, and with any other systems in place, and we want to build um, that kind of backend uh, platform for them all in one and facilitate the triage, the patient profile, the telemedicine, um, and all the rest for the patient, it starts at $3,000 plus any setup and integration fees. Um, but for Reina, it's, uh, um, it's free for the uh, therapist. And uh, we just take a fee from every session or from every advisory. And that's on top of their own rate. So we don't take it from the rate. We just add a small fee on top of uh, the rate. And the same thing for Cooper, for veterinary uh, professionals. Um, we're looking into other pricing strategies when it comes to veterinary clinics. Um, it, it, once we start adding additional uh, modules, like the remote monitoring um, is already there, but we need to, we're looking into different um, products like smart callers and, and, and such. But if we add additional services, once we learn how they are benefit, benefiting from our platform, and if we realize, okay, there's another gap to be filled, then we may relook at um, look at the uh, the entire uh, structure and pricing strategy. But for now, it's free for vets. It's free for therapists uh, to come on board if they just want to use the telemedicine and remote monitoring. But we've had conversations with mental health clinics that also want to integrate with their EHR. They want to integrate with their scheduling systems. Um, and they they just and they want to kind of have this unified platform for them. Then that it moves into the Cayenne realm where we we build a solution for them at a monthly rate, uh, monthly fee, uh, and uh, plus any setup and integration. So it depends also on, on the client. 
Um, so how many um, patients and physicians are using the service at the moment? So fraction have you had? So we've we've got so far we ran five pilots, um, and we've got uh, a few more launching in the next couple of weeks because we finished our, we were utilizing our beta product and now we're releasing our alpha um, final product um, in a couple of weeks time. And at that stage, we already have MOUs with another uh, five, uh, uh, five potential clinics to come on board. And over the next three months, we're just going to make sure that our product is stable enough with the existing client base uh, and then we're going to start scaling. Our goal is to reach 150 clinics by end of the year. Um, and we already are having a lot of conversations, but we're, we just want to pilot our alpha product in the next few months, just make sure everything's stable, um, learn from them, and then we can start on onboarding. Because onboarding after that would be extremely easy once the product is ready. So we'll start onboarding uh, the rest of the clinics that we've been in talks with, um, uh, those that want to use the standard feature set um, uh, of, of our platform. If anything requires additional customization or additional work, then there's a timeline for implementation, but that's a different conversation. Um, so I'm guessing right now, uh, telemedicine or telehealthcare is an active space. So you must have some uh, competitors who are also trying to uh, get a piece of the pie, especially, especially in this uh, situation, there is a demand for this kind of service, correct? Correct. The, the, the telemedicine space is, is extremely um, competitive. Um, for us, we're, we're not comp we are competing in the telemedicine space, but we're, we're not competing with the same product. Um, what we're trying to do is, is very different. We're trying to bring it all together, um, and we're trying to build, get, provide healthcare organizations with a full suite of tools to enable them to better communicate and monitor. Um, and in that space itself, it's not very competitive. There aren't many organizations that are trying to solve the same problem the same way. Um, but even if it's such a massive market that it can hold um, 20, 20 companies doing this. And with any type of innovation that kind of pops up, you, there's a lot of companies that start doing it, uh, try, to try to solve the problem. Eventually, um, a few will emerge uh, towards the end after acquisitions, mergers, or just uh, shutdowns. And we're at that stage where many people are jumping in and it's about who executes the best and who's got the, um, you know, who does things at the right time, doing things um, in, in a way where the, the customer that solve the challenges or the gaps for the clinics, that's when, that's, those are the ones that are going to emerge. But we think it's not a market that can only hold one or two Ubers. It's a market that can hold 10, 15 uh, solution providers. Um, it's very similar to the ERP space. Um, there's not one successful ERP. There's tens of successful, extremely successful ERPs, successful EHRs, and uh, all multi-million, maybe billion dollar companies. So it's a space that we see, uh, uh, because we're focused more on the B2B, there's a lot more room and uh, for, for more companies to innovate in the space. And we want more companies to innovate in the space and to prove that such, such solutions, um, we can all learn from what other, the other experiences are. Um, so, um, sorry, the next question that I was going to ask you is, uh, 
you, um, you had a fundraising round recently. So can you talk about your fundraising experience? How much did you raise um, about your valuation and any challenges along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in January, uh, we, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we, uh, we signed that LOI with uh, Beyond Medical. Um, and over the, over the last three months or four months, uh, we've had multiple discussions, but um, three weeks ago, we decided to terminate the LOI and instead go with, a, with, a, with an investment. So we raised $400,000 uh, from them. And this $400,000 is mainly going to uh, product development um, and business development to help us bring in those uh, pilots or their, those um, not pilots, but early those early adopters or those customers that are interested in what we're trying to do and the problem we're trying to solve and have a similar problem and want uh, to work with us to try to solve it. And our goal is in two months um, um, or next month is to start an, um, fundraising for our seed round. And our hope we hope to close it in three months time. Um, and that would be we're going to start the round after we launch our products and start getting um, and onboard our clients and start getting the traction and um, that we are expecting from, from those new set of clients. And that's when we're going to uh, go back and, and fundraise. Um, our learning experience, uh, I've I fundraised a few times in the past and it's always uh, each, each one has a different story. Each one has a different experience. I also advise a lot of startups and, and sit on the board of a few and help them all on the fundraising process. And it's always, uh, it's always different. Um, for us this time, it was purely the, the learning from it was anticipating um, uh, what, what we would, where we would be going over the next three months during the negotiations and what areas, what kind of help do we need? Um, and if money is what we need or if it's support that we need or if it's a network of clinics, et cetera. So it's being able to identify exactly what we needed and then working with the right partner and finding the right partner to help us uh, do that. Um, I usually always say, hey, if you need, um, if you need money to make more money um, and if that partner can help you make, uh, bring that money, um, then go ahead with it. But if it's a partner that's just giving you money, but they're not adding um they're not adding any value. They're not helping you with business development, with networking, with connecting, uh, advisory, et cetera. Then you're better off to find someone that can because the network and the support that a VC can bring when it comes to connecting you with other uh, organizations in the market, with potential clients, paying customers, um, et cetera, is a lot more valuable at some, sometimes with than, than money itself. Um, that's why when we signed with Black Pearl last year, we went to them and said, we, we want to partner with you. We don't want you to um, invest in us yet. We want you to connect us with um, organizations and companies in your network because we, at this stage, we need the traction. We need the pilots. Um, and they, they loved our vision and what we we're trying to do. And they came on board. And for us, it was a, it was a test to see if our relationship was going to work. And if, if we had the same, if we believed in the same things, if we had the same vision, and if we wanted to work on the same things. So we experimented uh, and we worked on things together and we realized we're a perfect fit. 
And now they're going to help us uh, raise this next round and they're going to lead it um, because it's validated. We vetted each other over that period. Um, and for us, that's the best type of investor to have on board um, who can uh, who understand what you're trying to do and, and helps you achieve it. Um, there are other investors that are could provide you with the funding, but aren't able to provide you with the traction or the support or the network or the advisor or whatever you need. Um, and for us, it's, a, it's, a, it's really always difficult to say no to money, but it, it's something that we learned to do. And this is kind of what we had to do over the last three months to see if, you know, the, the acquisition was going to take us where we wanted to go or an investment and staying independent would take us to a better path. Um, and it was a mutual decision that we decided to, uh, to, to part ways in an extremely positive, um, because initially in our LOI, we had agreed on a 200,000 investment if the deal falls through a minimum of 200,000. But after we decided to, you know, this is not the best, um, approach for, for us both. They, they loved, they wanted to be still a part of Can Health that they doubled their investment to 400,000. Um, and they wanted to stay part and help us uh, moving forward. But we knew that we had different paths, but we, we could help each other out in the future or maybe connect again in the future. So it was difficult, um, but it was the right decision. And that's um, kind of where we are now. Um, and my advice is always, you know, get if you're raising funds or going for an acquisition or, or any type of um, partnership of, of this sort, um, if you're getting everything that you want and that you need, not just money, but in, in terms of services and support and advisory and having a, a partner that you can talk to and kind of uh, a second uh, uh, pair of eyes and ears that you can have a chat with to brainstorm about different things, that is uh, extremely important and sometimes more important than just having the money. Yeah, I guess I guess it's good to have that kind of investor who will not just give you the investment, but also open doors for you, help you make new connections, find partners or clients, and and that is really a, a great great investor who is also helping you non financially and and they understand that your success and their success are connected. Once once they have an ownership. Uh, once they invest, they they get a share of the future profits. So, you know, their success and your success are connected. So helping you beyond just money is good for you and is also good for them. So it seems like you have some good collaboration in place. Yeah. Um, um, can you share a fun fact about yourself? <laughs> fun fact. Oh, when you're put on the spot, you forget. <laughs> all, all the fun facts but then when we're having a conversation a, a casual conversation i'll probably think of 50 fun facts uh i'm a goalkeeper i'm obsessed with football or soccer uh, i played as a goalkeeper for years maybe 15 years when i was a kid I, my dream was to play for inter milan and be a professional goalkeeper um but instead i you know never did obviously uh, but i i always played in multiple leagues and uh, if there's anything that I can, so if I can say I'm good at something confidently, I'll tell you that I'm a really good goalkeeper and I'm proud of that. <laughs> so 
but uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to properly play for the past two years, uh, just on and off. And uh, five years ago, I was playing in a league in Dubai, and then we were in a semifinals or something. And then uh, uh, we lost. And then the other team, another team came and asked if I could play uh, for them because their keeper couldn't make it that day, stuck at work or something. So I said, sure, you know, I'd, I'd love to. So I played uh, with them and I made this beautiful, fantastic save. But as I dropped to the ground and I, after I made the save, the other uh, striker uh, stepped on my hand with the studs and I ended up smashing my, my middle finger into bits. Um, and I had the uh, metal steel rod I had a surgery and I had a metal rod in my finger for a year and then took it out and I had to do so much physio and it's, it's really funny, but it, it's, well, it's not funny, but it's, uh, it's changed my life in a way because my f- finger doesn't bend. It doesn't operate properly. And you, you forget how important the finger, <laughs> your fingers are until you kind of lose full mobility in one. Um, but that never stopped me. And when I went back to football and I just wear a brace and, I'm like, you know what? I, I enjoy football too much to, 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 to not play just because of this finger. But uh, yeah, I have a finger that doesn't bend. Um, even now? Even now, yeah, it barely bends. Oh, man. That's, yeah. I, uh, that's, uh, that's true. Like you, you don't, uh, you, you, uh, you know, you might have a tendency to take out help for granted until, until we don't have it anymore. Absolutely. And, these are these are divine gifts that we have, and we should definitely be uh, mindful Careful. that we have we have these, and we should take good care of it. And uh, you know, accidents can happen, injuries can happen, um, you know. But uh, it's something that uh, we should be thankful for. And, yeah, uh, I'm I'm thankful I still have my finger. At least it's uh, yeah, uh, it's still there. Um, and I'm now thankful, and I understand the value of. Uh, my body and um, I try to take care of myself as much as I can and you know we're we're not children where we don't we just take risks without thinking now I kind of think before I I jump um, but I still do jump it's interesting that you still play soccer and your your passion for soccer is still there uh, for yeah. that's uh, that's pretty interesting Sports is good. Sports keeps you healthy. You know, it's a it's a good exercise. It's nice to be physically active because you know, not being physically active has its own uh, problems. So it's yeah. good to be uh, healthy and active and keeping your body in good shape. So that's good. Um, well, perfect. Well, well, Ahmed, it has been very nice uh, speaking with you, learning about your background and your story, and uh, and your journey of entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you very much. It was uh, fun chatting with you. Uh, you want to share your website? Yeah. So uh, if you want to learn more about Kayan Health, uh, you can just head to Kayan, K-A-Y-A-N, health.com. Um, and if you want to check out our other initiatives, um, uh, they're Raina, R-A-Y-N-A dot health. And Cooper with a K, K-O-O-P-E-R dot vet, V-E-T. Um, and you can follow us on social media and stay up to date. Uh, if you're a university student and you're looking to access mental health, please check out Reina Health. 
sign up to our form. Uh, we should be uh, live in a couple of weeks. So we'd love to have you um, in a, as one of our first users. All right, perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you get a chance to learn from Ahmed and his uh, story of entrepreneurship. And if you want to learn more about Kayan Health, you can visit uh, the website and learn more. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.